consultancies tend to overlook the need for creative input on projects. Danny Fontaine, creative director at IBM, likes to take a slightly different approach. He explains how storytelling can add a punch to your pitch, the challenges of translating physical experiences into digital, and how taking a creative approach is always critical. lovely to uh, for you to join us today and I'm really interested in talking to you because you've got a really unique perspective I think on being part of a consultancy massive consultancy let everyone will know which is IBM and you particularly area of niche for you is that you bring creativity to IBM and that's why I'm really interested to get your perspective on things um, so thanks for joining us thank you so, for having me pleasure your current role is creative director at IBM, and I'd love for you to just explain a little bit more about what that role involves and what you do day to day. Sure. So, it, I mean, we've called the role creative director, but we actually developed it specifically to to, to to work in a certain way with the company. And actually, we do have other creative directors, but they're more what we would know as the standard standard kind of creative director role who oversees design and design teams and ensures that level of, of, of governance from a creative uh, perspective. My role is much more about how do we create emotional connections with our clients through storytelling, through visuals, through the way that we communicate to create this level of, of, of trust and this mutual excitement about um, working together in a partnership. So my, my day-to-day varies wildly. Sometimes I'll be working with a team and the, the focus will be the pitch and we'll be figuring out how we can tell a compelling story using various frameworks and techniques and you know, happy to go into some of those. Other times I'll be on a pure kind of design kick where I will be having to create concepts for, for our clients and for our prospects. Um, other times I'm much more working internally with the company to try and enable more people in IBM to work in this creative way because I think that it's not my role's a bit different because I don't work ex- exclusively with designers and creatives in fact far from it my role is really there to try and ensure that everything we do in IBM has that level of creativity storytelling um, um, and, and emotional connection so it actually comes into play a lot more when I'm working with teams who are very technical who are trying to implement SAP or do huge transformation projects or, or if we're trying to win work as a, as a systems integrator so it's, it's quite a, a collision a juxtaposition of the two worlds that come together with IBM and this this way of doing things but it, it, it's working so far it's quite a different role, isn't it, within the business? Because I think typically when people think of IBM, they think of like a very large um, sort of corporate entity that's had loads of really great innovations in it, you know, in, in its history. Don't get me wrong, but don't necessarily see it as being a great communicator of clients' brands, like nuances and challenges. So it must have been quite a challenge to kind of almost carve out that role in, in a company that perhaps is not perceived as being. you know embracing that way of thinking yeah and it's the perception that's really important here because I think that I well I know for a fact that IBM can be incredibly 
creative and visual and excellent at communicating. But to even get into that position, you've got a, your perception, your, your, your reputation always precedes you. So we work with lots of big, big brands, you know, household names, and a lot of them wouldn't necessarily come to us with a design brief or an experience brief because the perception is that IBM are great with the technology, they'll get it done, if we've got a huge, big, clunky technology transformation project, you know they'll they'll get in there and they'll do it and they'll leave. And it's the perception is that we're we're slow, we're old, we're a bit dull. All of these things, and it's actually me shouting internally that no matter how good we think we are, the perception of us doesn't match up to that. And, and my job is really trying to. We've often got one shot to change the perception of IBM with a client, and, and that's really exciting, actually. That's one of the things I love most about it. Yeah, because I guess that one shot is almost in that um, competitive pitch environment. I'm guessing you're right at the front of proposals, of presenting, of like Absolutely. how you communicate that into, into a pitch. So it must be quite interesting from that perspective that it's almost... It's interesting. I mean, it's really satisfying as well. So we'll often enter a, a pitch, even if we're in a, it, the incumbent, we'll be told that, you know, we're giving you a shot, but you are, you know, currently ranking six out of six as we go into this process. And for us to be able to turn up and completely um, change their minds by bringing them something completely different and experiential and for them to say, oh, my God, this is a different IBM. I did not know that IBM existed. That's really, you know, a fantastic and satisfying thing. Yeah, I can hear you. Do you need to get the dog? Because I can hear the dog. <laughs> Wait, pause. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. You're <laughs> good. What size dog have you got? It sounds small. It's small. She's a, a chalky, half chihuahua, half yorkie. Oh, cute. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell by their bark, the size of the dog. Funny, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I was just saying it's really great when you turn a client's mind around. Yeah. It's quite, also, I think it must be quite interesting to try and turn the rest of your consultancy team's mind around because I spent half of my life speaking to consultants and trying to really kind of help them understand the power of brand design, the power of storytelling, how having a narrative through any sort of digital transformation project can be absolutely magical for internal teams to engage with to kind of align everyone on what journey we're about to take. So it must be quite interesting. I'd love to, like, what's your, what's your tip and hack? Because you've obviously done quite well at this because you've managed to get a, a specific job role um, within that particular niche. So how do you get consultants on board? Well, it's interesting. And, and, and absolutely, when I started the job, you know, I was given permission to, to go do what I see fit and in, in interject myself into teams. But at the beginning, it did feel a lot like, you know, I was token creative and the teams were forced to have me on their team. <laughs> and, uh, okay, coming in, we'll involve you. And, and the expectation was absolutely that um, the value I would add would be colouring in the PowerPoint at the end. So <laughs> their big brains would come up with all the clever content and then I would, you know, do some drawings about it or something like that. But... But I, so I guess the proof was in the pudding, really, and the fact that it, it, it's gone from there to now. I'm, I'm having to grow my team and find more people like myself because it's 
had had success and, and the consultants are now all aware of it and they're all asking for on on all of the, the projects and the bids that they're actually doing. So so taking them through it, even though it was somewhat begrudgingly, is what's turned them around. Because at the end of it, they they think this is, you know, another level to what we would have achieved. Yeah, because I'm guessing the win rate rates went up and the engagement of the customers increased. And they were yeah, absolutely. And also, we we started to win more exciting work as well. I think rather than the the stuff we're we're known for, we started to win far more customer facing and, and experience led work, which is obviously good as well, and in, in the direction that we want to go in. So, so kind of from your perspective, what do you think the role of storytelling is in that pitch process and in that in that way of getting clients on board to me it's everything it's Mm. more important than the the graphic design element it's more important than even the the technical element a lot of the time it's just the only way to get through to another human being is by telling a good story, is, is, is my true belief. So when we go into a pitch, what we used to do is, hi, we're IBM, we're the best in the business, you won't find anyone better than us, we've got all of these people, and immediately the client's just listening to a pitch about IBM, and actually by using storytelling, we can really turn that focus around so that it's not IBM who is the hero, but it's the client who is the hero. We are the the mentor, we are Obi-Wan Kenobi, and they are Luke Skywalker. It's, it's not the other way around. And, and and shifting it to that lens is incredibly powerful because we can start to say, you know, we understand you, we understand the world that we're in. There's these challenges and problems and complexities, but we have a way to, to help you through that. And, you know, this is how we're going to do it. And we, we tend to use um, something that... I discovered on TED Talk, actually, there's a lady called Nancy Duarte, and she did a TED Talk about something that she calls sparklines. And essentially, she's analysed some of the most famous speeches from history, so Martin Luther King Jr., Steve Jobs, Barack Obama, and he was trying to prove the science of what what makes a good speech. And actually, we managed to adapt that and and use that for our own storytelling in a pitch because essentially the the main premise is that we go from the world that we're in at the moment and the challenges and the problems, and then we flip up to the vision, the future, how great everything is going to be, and then we come back down again to, but that's going to have its own challenges and, and problems. So we're doing a sort of emotional EQ where we're going between highs and lows, between the current world and the future world. And what that does is it it not only engages the client a lot more, but it, it elicits a real emotional reaction. And the client wants to know how we can get through the problems that we've talked about. And it's a twist in the tail when the big solution also has problems and issues and that kind of thing. So what, what I've actually studied storytelling a lot not just from a business perspective but from a pure storytelling perspective how to write a good novel for example not that i've ever written one i've tried i've started one who knows whether i'll ever finish it or not but the way that novels are constructed um 
can absolutely be used in business to to tell these powerful and engaging stories and, and get that emotional reaction. What I was going to say before, I've just remembered now, so that I'm sure you know this already, but in very simplistic terms, the human brain split up into three major parts. And the, the neocortex, the biggest part of the brain, is where we deal with complexity and, you know, moving parts is where we need to actually work things out so that we can come up with a solution. And actually, what we do a lot of the time, especially when we're pitching, is we start immediately at this big neocortex part of the brain and we launch into architecture, infrastructure, the complexities of, you know, um, whatever, whatever. But what we need to do is start at the smallest part of the brain, the hind brain, which is our fight or flight response. That, that bit of the brain keeps us alive. It tells us how to breathe. If we hear a loud noise, it tells us to react. But following the reaction, the information gets passed into different parts of the brain to actually analyze and assess and figure out what to do with that information. But if we don't start at that core hind brain, then it doesn't filter the information through. So that complex information that skips out any introduction and build-up is often just lost on the client. And it's when, you know, we've all sat through presentations which, which, which are just detailed and complicated from the start, and we can never get engaged in them. It's a struggle to listen to them because we're constantly having to try and figure things out ourselves and figure that context out. So... Using stories allows us to bring clients up to up to the point that we really want to explain, and by that time they should be excited and engaged and, and wanting to hear more. And do you find that um, with your involvement at the clients, really at that kind of buying stage, do you find there's almost a similarity in what their kind of big fears are in terms of buying into transformation or buying into a big technology investment? Yeah, I mean, it, it's mainly a risk-averse kind of way of thinking. So th this is where it's interesting. There's a disconnect between a creative experience-led proposal and a buyer who is procurement and IT-led who really want to feel like, are you going to deliver what you say you're going to deliver on time and on budget? But although it's a disconnect, we can actually really leverage the power of creativity and storytelling to, to, to help to convince them that we can deliver it. Because I think that what it really comes down to, the crux of it, is trust. And so if I go back to the old IBM approach of we're IBM, we're the best, da, 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 da. The client thinks, well, you do sound good, but we're, we're still not sure whether you're, you're good on your promise. If you go in there with an explicit knowledge and passion for the brand that you're actually talking to, and you imagine working with that brand as if it was your own company, and if you imagine spending their money as if it was your own money, then you really can start to come over in a much more genuine way and, and start to give them the trust that, you know, if we take on this project, it's as important to us as it is to you that your brand reputation stays firmly intact and ideally, you know, we're going to grow it and Im improve on it. And I think we just need to be explicit and transparent about those things when we're having those conversations. And that human element is not something that 
consultants traditionally think about putting in a, a proposal. So, yeah, and bringing to a project in some senses as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. I definitely see hell of a lot of projects um, out there that are very much about almost taking the client's brand and then just creating digital product, implementing it. Don't get me wrong, you know, the, the UX is on it is, is fine and workable and then it goes out. And then I think that many consultancies are really missing that kind of connection gap between mm. um, exciting and engaging the customer and right. being able to reinforce their brand through through this new digital product and really dial up their voice in that space. Yeah, I completely agree. And what's interesting at the minute is, you know, we've got to mention COVID-19, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a, we're all bored of it, but it's still there, unfortunately, and it's still affecting everything. And we've got a lot of, you know, household name customers who do very, very, very well on the high street who, who, who now have dramatically reduced footfall in shops and a terrible digital experience. And they, they hadn't really, you know, it's always been in the back of their minds, we must get around to that one day, we'll put it in the roadmap so that it gets done by 2025 or whatever, and and that's all good because, you know, if it works, it works. But now, as a single point of, you know, a single touch point between them and their customers, the experience has to be world-class. It's got to It's got to be beating the likes of, Amazon and startups and and all of these other online only businesses, because otherwise there's no reason to go to these companies as a customer. And I think that that's that's really interesting because you've got very strong brand heritage in the high street and a lot of trust and loyalty from their customers who have used them all of their lives. But as much as their customers want to use them digitally as well, you know, this isn't one company in specific, this is a number of them, their experience is so bad that you can't even, you know, get the basket to work. Is it, you can't even buy things half the time. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes it impossible. So they're just losing customers and their brand reputation is getting more and more damaged. So when we take on these digital transformation projects and we, you know, we say we are going to fix your basket and your checkout and we're going to make it all, you know, as good as it can possibly be. We have to also think about how we can then leverage that brand to give them that competitive advantage in the market so that they can build on that loyal customer base, on that trust base. And as long as pricing is competitive enough, then through this experience, we should be able to keep those customers rather than a new online store that no one's ever heard of before yeah no i totally agree it's also quite interesting that i found one of the challenges that i'm seeing a hell of a lot on at the moment is where kind of um, these brands are trying to reenact a physical experience into Mm. the digital world so and almost they're thinking about it, for example, the event space. Now, as we know, like events have been very hard hit um, mm. through COVID-19. And it's a bit like, okay, so we want to make our event completely virtual. And they almost feel like they can pick up the same footprint and the same, oh, you'll go online and there'll be a lobby. And then you can click through mm-hmm. and go through to 
watch this thing and then do this thing. They're almost thinking about just trying to replicate that physical thing, but on an online space. And it's really interesting because it just doesn't work. It just falls completely flat. I've been to a few a few online things, mainly because they're mandatory. Um, <laughs> and they're awful. And you completely miss that sense of being there and that sense of interaction. And I think that most of us in this world go to events, uh, not just because the event sounds amazing, but because you think, well, I might find something good I like there if I just walk around. Mm. All around, I'm going to be in the environment, breathe in the atmosphere. I might see a CEO talk in person. I might meet some people. I'll be able to go grab a coffee, walk in, walk out. And it should translate on paper to digital, but it, but it doesn't. Because when you're in the digital world, you know, at these events, it's very... I haven't really been to many that, that really encourage that interaction. So you're sitting in your house on your own and you're listening. So it's completely one-way traffic. And, you know, you get bored sitting on your bum listening mm. to speaker after speaker. I feel like it's the same, sadly, for art galleries. And I know that they've done a really, like, they've, they've worked really hard to try and make galleries, like, a virtual experience. You can go in and have a virtual tour of a gallery. It's like, for me, I just it doesn't work. Because, again, you're trying to take something that is a very, like, physical experience and force it into, like, a flat um, observer yeah. perspective. Um, yeah. It's got to be a different it, it, way. I think it's because it's it's pretty impossible at the moment, although we might get there one day, but it's pretty impossible to remove all friction from from that situation. So, you know, I, I love walking around an art gallery. If I had a virtual reality headset that was absolutely perfect replica and I had a huge room the size of an art gallery that I could walk around in, then maybe that would be good enough. But at the minute... The VR isn't quite there, and even when it is, you have to faff around pointing your eyes at the right button and holding them in the right place, and the setup and makes you feel a bit seasick after a while. So, yeah, I, I don't think there is any real replacement mm. yet. And so the question is, do we, do we worry about that? Do we need to recreate things in the digital world, or should we realise that things are different at least right now, and, and our real world should therefore involve a different way of doing things. And if we attend a digital event, should it be half the length? And, you know, think yeah. about it in a different way. How do we make this event better that's going to be online, not how do we replicate this event that is in person? Yeah, totally agree. And I think that's the difference that a creative mind brings, that exact example compared to perhaps a consultant I think it yeah. needs it needs that creative brain to kind of almost be like oh, hang on a minute does does this work from an experience point of view um does this work from a emotional connection point of view yeah and um how can we really kind of much more deeply connect with people and, and give them experiences that will resonate with them rather than just take the technology and replicate a physical experience, and and that's why I think that the 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 creative is so vital to any transformation program, because I think you otherwise you just get um, 
a load of really like smart consultants who are very well versed in sort of business um, processes and um, you know business case scenarios and just trying to mirror stuff whereas I think adding in a, a layer of, of a team of people like such as yourself into that process suddenly makes people go oh hang on a minute we need to think about this differently and, yeah, and I, I say, I've always said this about creativity it's not necessarily that you are the, the most skilled at any specific part of what we call creativity. I think mm-hmm. for me, it, can you stop for a second and really think about all of the options and think about what the best option is without kind of putting boundaries in your own mind, if that makes sense, if that doesn't sound too grand? Because I think that a lot of people go, right, the the problem is that, you know, uh, there's a a round peg and we've only got a square hole. So how can we, I'm making this up on the spot, this analogy, by the way, so it might not work out at all. But they think, how how can we adjust the hole or how can we adjust the peg to make them fit together? Whereas a creative might come along and, you know, just build something on top of it or, or around the sides of it and get rid of those altogether and think, well, obviously what we need is is a completely different way of thinking about this problem rather than just trying to make this problem work in this small confines of what we think yes. are involved within it. Yeah. I totally, I totally followed you with your analogy, by the way. favorite pitches or story of a pitch was back in 1974 and it was an advertising firm called Alan Brady and Marsh or ABM and Peter Marsh the founder came up with this idea for winning some work with British Rail Mm -hmm. and they were a small agency at the time they were going up against much much bigger agencies Um, and they won the work by um, hosting British Rail in their offices. And when British Rail came into the offices, they sat them in reception for half an hour. They didn't offer them tea or coffee. They had cigarette ends overspilling out of an ashtray. They had old newspapers. And just as the client was about to leave, sort of 20 minutes late for the meeting, Peter Marsh comes out, perfect timing, and says, gentlemen, this is how your customers feel when they get on one of your trains. And then they took them through into the boardroom and they pitched how they were going to make it so good again. So, again, just showing them that, I mean, even telling that story brings a bit of a tingle down my spine because it's like, it's just brilliant. And we shouldn't be afraid of trying these kind of theatrical, experiential ways of working because they normally work. And for some reason, we are often not confident enough to do theatrical things the client's not expecting it the client wants powerpoints so let's do a powerpoint but to be able to throw that out the water and 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 just go for something different means that it will be memorable and it will be imprinted in their minds and it can be hugely um successful way of working so so that's why reading kafka and things like that can still bring inspiration mm. in my mind yeah um that's a great pitch example I haven't heard of that one before. So yeah, no, I love that one. Yeah, that's also like quite simple. 
Like I've heard few exactly. stories where people, you know, like big agencies have spent hundreds of pounds in like decking out a room in, I don't know, the, the brands, representing the brand all around them with like silk right. drapes right. and, you know. Men boots everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, you can put them in the, in the crap that their customers yeah. are used to and they go, oh man, yeah, we need to fix that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Um, okay, so one last question. Um, if you were stranded in Slough for four hours without a phone, any sort of digital device or the internet, mm. what would you do? Stranded in Slough? Yeah. Well, there's a few things I would do. First of all, I'd be perfectly happy with the situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my most, some of my most cherished moments you know outside of uh children and 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 my my wife is time on my own I just don't get much of it and I feel like I can I could sit in a park in Slough or even an industrial estate just with my own thoughts for a pretty prolonged period of time and I would be perfectly all right with that and actually I'd probably come up with the a few solutions to various problems I was might be going through and, and, and things like that. So so that would be fine. But the other thing I really like doing is I'm very interested in psychology and human behavior, which is all, you know, a massive part of pitching, massive part of pitching. Um, and so I'd happily just watch whoever was around, go on their day-to-day, find a cafe, listen in to other people's conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder at how different we are all as human beings in this big world that we live in. So a bit of like analysis. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But learning as well. Yeah. It's quite interesting. I can, I can really like uh, relate to your um, time on your own. I've, I, I would really cherish that as well. So four hours, it's a nice, a nice, long, decent time to actually maybe just get like a little bit of a sketchbook out and just like jot yeah. down some notes and 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 flesh out some challenges on projects etc um Absolutely. we're way or, too go 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 at the moment definitely. exactly yeah. or even having some time to think about things that are not work related yes imagine draw, draw, draw a picture of a tree uh and write a poem <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I've certainly found during the kind of uh, the COVID uh, outbreak and kind of working from home and things like my whole day has kind of shifted. I think losing the commute and then almost like the confines of the office, even though I'm in the office today, uh, it's like actually taking a lunch break and going for a walk in. I live near a forest, so going for a walk in the forest. It's just such a like mind shifting thing. And there's so many like books and advice that you get all the time about you know how the brain needs to you know have a change of pace and how actually when you walk you have generate more ideas and when you're sitting down Mm -hmm. etc but it's kind of like I think all of us are really guilty of like absorbing all these things this advice but not actually implementing it it's like (laughs) so yeah once you actually start implementing it it's a bit like oh my god that's really good so today is kind of first time I've been in the office um recently and actually was a bit like no I'm going to do what I would do at home so I actually went for a walk around Shoreditch and Hoxton in my lunch break 
and actually just did walking for an hour and just you know yeah. watching people and like looking how much things had changed around me like well, there wasn't a building there before and you know it's just yeah exactly I think we all really need that so completely, yeah. completely. and I love walking around London I, I love London so much yeah it's very cool I love walking around I love finding tiny little alleyways and, and dark corners that you can get lost in it's yeah. uh yeah. yeah and it changes so much as well there's always this it's, it's so sprawling isn't it kind of this new stuff to find exactly yeah yeah completely brand acceleration agency for businesses that want to be part of the future. We help brands to find their momentum, to change and to transform through strategy and design. To find out more about our work and how Nala could help your business, visit us online at nala.co.uk.